Welcome back to the Pops Podcast. My name is Jordan, and I hope this message blesses you today. Our brother Aji is speaking again from Colossians, and this message is all about love. Take it away, Aji. And we're in the book of Colossians. We spent about four years on the book of James. We are making our transition to the book of Colossians, and we are now in verses four and five. I don't know how far we're going to go tonight, because as I sit here, I have 26 pages of notes. And I'm not going to hold you here till 12 midnight. So at some point, we're going to cut it off and, you know, and say we'll pick it up next time we meet in two weeks. But uh, let's get started. So Paul has been effusive with prayers and thanksgiving to God in the opening of his letter to the Colossians. In verses 4 and 5 of chapter 1, he outlined the reasons why he has been so prayerful and thankful. Let's find out what those reasons are. Colossians 1 Verses 4 to 5. We give thanks to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of your love for all the saints, because of the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, of which you heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel. So why was Paul effusive with his prayers and thanksgiving to God in the opening of his letter to the Colossians? The reason is because of the development and demonstration of faith, love, and hope. Faith, love, and hope. Let's say that together. Faith, love, and hope. And why are these three so important? You see, faith, love, and hope are the foundational metrics that the Apostle Paul often uses as a measurement of a true believer in Christ. So when Paul hears about someone being a believer, he pulls out his gauge, and the gauge is, does that person operating in faith, love, and hope? Many often say in America that they are Christians. Estimates from 2021 suggest that of the entire U.S. population, 63% is Christians. But how many are truly Christians? Paul responds, if you were to pose that question to Paul, how many of those 63% are Christians? Paul will say, how many of them are demonstrating faith, love, and hope in their Christian work and practice? And I want to ask you that tonight. Are you demonstrating faith, love, and hope in your daily work? Because sometimes we reduce Christianity to going to church on Sunday. And we do our Sunday thing, we go to a restaurant to eat, we go home and watch a sport. But it's more than that. Christianity is Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. It's when it's hot, it's when it's rotten, it's when you don't feel like it. Are you showing faith, love, and hope? Or do you just save it for certain days of the week? As far as Paul is concerned, these three virtues must be present in the life of any genuine believer in Jesus Christ. And you could see that Paul outlines this in a lot of his letters. Not only in Colossians 1, 4-5 that we just read. If you read the Corinthians, so that's another church entirely. If you read what he said... In 1 Corinthians 13, 13, he said, So now abide faith, hope, and love. These three, but the greatest of this is love. So here he is talking to another church, talking about faith, hope, and love. Then when you see him again, he was talking to the Thessalonians, another different church. This is the third church, the Colossians, the Corinthians. Now he's talking to the Thessalonians. Look at what he says in Thessalonians 1, um, the first book of Thessalonians Chapter 1, verse 3. He said, Remembering without ceasing your work of faith, labor of love, and patient hope in our Lord Jesus Christ, in the sight of God and our Father. 
And not only did he say that one time, he said it again in chapter 5 of the same book. Chapter 5, verse 8. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. So you could see he repeats this over and over again. Last time we were here, before we took our break, we studied about faith. Today we're going to focus on love. 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 And someone might say, IG, you know what? We are studying the book of Colossians. Why are we... Why are we taking a detour and studying faith, love, and hope? Because if we move past this and you are not grounded in faith, love, and hope, then it's a waste of time because those are the foundational. It's just like telling a football team that we're going to go play the Super Bowl, but we're not too good with tackling or blocking or catching. We're just going to kind of gloss over that. Let's go to the Super Bowl. What chances do they have to win the Super Bowl if they are not good in the foundation? Zero. The same thing, if you are not established in faith, hope, and love, you're just playing religion. And there are a lot of Christians out there that are not grounded in it. And that's why we're taking our time. I'm going to be ministering through the month of August by God's grace. I will encourage you to come and bring a friend. Because we're going to be talking about love, hope, and faith. And this is what we need in our culture right now. Because the culture is degenerating. It is getting corroded, toxic. Everywhere you go, TV, radio, anywhere, everybody, yeah, 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 yeah. There is a thug demonic spirit out there, thug demonic spirit that is just very aggressive, offensive, and is a killer. And we have to counter that with faith, hope, and love. So why are we taking time to study these three reasons? I'm going to give you just quick three. Quick three reasons why we are studying this. These three virtues, faith, hope, and love, are eternal. They are eternal and will last forever. They are not just for this earthly realm. You could live to be a hundred. Guess what? When you get to the other side, faith, hope, and love is going to be waiting for you. In fact, the way I captured my note here, these three virtues are required subjects and not electives in the university of heaven that all believers will be made to attend. I really believe when we get to heaven, there's going to be a class for faith, hope, and love because you're going to need it. A billion years from now, you'll still be using faith, hope, and love. So the quicker you go through the lesson 101 here, when you get to heaven, you won't be spending 100 years trying to learn it. The Lord will say, you already, you're grounded in faith, hope, and love. So move on to the next class. Again, tonight, our focus is love. So the first reason why we are studying this is it's eternal. It is trans-existence. Not just only in this heart, but in the age and the future to come. Forever and ever and ever. We'll, we'll continue to look at those three things. Number two, our faith as a believer will not work without those three virtues. It will not work. You're, you can't live a Christian life without faith, hope, and love. You cannot. Let me give you a, a quick scripture. Galatians 5.6. Galatians 5.6 in the New Living Translation. For when we place our faith in Christ Jesus, that's when you became Christian, there is no benefit in being circumcised or, or in being circumcised or being uncircumcised. What is important? What is important? It's going to tell us. Is faith expressing itself in love? You see that? God says what's important is not this external religious activity, circumcision, and all these outward religious activities we do, going to church and doing, you know, Hail Mary full of grace, the Lord is with thee, and doing our delicious calisthenics. He said, what is important is your faith as a believer in Jesus Christ must be expressed in love. 
Your faith must be expressed in love. So you could see the connection right there of faith and love. And you take it a step further. Hebrews 11.1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. So you see the connection. We saw it, faith and love. You could see the connection, faith and hope. Are you hoping for something right now? Do you hope to be healed? Do you hope to get married? Do you hope to get a job? Do you hope to establish a business? Do you hope to go on a second honeymoon with your wife? Do you hope to see your grandchildren raised and you be a part of their life? Faith is the substance of things hoped for. If you want that hope to become a reality, you have to practice faith. That substance is the foundation. It's called the foundation of things hoped for. And in about, maybe in two sessions from now, we'll talk about hope. We've already talked about faith. We're talking about love today. Next time, we're going to talk about hope. So faith won't work without hope. Faith is the foundation, assurance, and confidence of things hoped for. And faith won't work without love. So you can see they are interconnected. And they are the power, the engine that is driving your Christianity. And number three, I am citing the three reasons why we are studying faith, hope, and love from Colossians chapter 1, verses 4 and 5. I'm giving you three quick reasons. The first reason is it's transgenerational. It's eternal. The second reason is your faith will not work as a believer in Christ without faith, hope, and love. And those three are interconnected. The last one is this. Practicing love is not optional. It is not a suggestion. It is not a recommendation. Love is a command. Many people do not know this. Walking in love is not, oh, you know what, I just don't feel like that. You know what, do you know what he did to me? He did me wrong, man. If I told you what he did to me, you wouldn't even believe it. Walking in love as a believer is a command. Let me show that to you. And it comes from the head of the church, our general, the field machal, the head of the church, the Lord Christ Jesus. Let's see how he says this. John 13, verse 34. John 13, verse 34, in the modern English version. A new commandment, you see, command. A new commandment I give to you that you love one another. So if that was in the military, we would say, yes, sir. The Lord Jesus Christ said, a new commandment I give to you, Dave, that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. In fact, this commandment is so huge, James, the Lord's brother, calls it a royal, a royal commandment. Let's look at James 2.8. James 2.8, James says, If you fulfill the royal law, wow, what's the royal law? According to the scripture, let's hear it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. You are doing well. He said, if you practice that one thing, you practice love, you're doing well. So you can see it's highly essential. I really believe when we get to heaven and the Lord surveys our life and is about to start handing out the crowns, Start handing our rewards is going to grade our faith, hope, and love. And that is a, this is a quick checkpoint where we have to check everything from the neck up and make adjustments. So I've given you the three reasons why we are talking about love tonight and why we are looking at faith, hope, and love. Now let's take a deeper dive into what love means. What is love? Let's define love. Love is agape in Greek. And agape means... The God kind of love, as opposed, as opposed to a, a natural human kind of love. This is the God kind of love, and let me define it. It is the kind of love that gives 
and gives and gives irrespective of whatever it gets, irrespective of whether it gets a response or get acknowledged. It is the type of love that does not judge by the way it is treated, but loves through the power of the Holy Spirit and a new nature in Christ. It's a God-empowered love. We're not just talking about love, you scratch my back, I scratch yours, you treat me good, I treat you good, you say good morning to me, I say good morning back, you look like me or, we, you know, whatever, we do this together. No, 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 no. It's the God kind of love. It's unconditional love. And why is this love so important? It is the most potent characteristic of God. In fact, love is not only God's nature. Love is God. And God is love. It is his presence. It's not, when we talk about love, God said, I am love. You might say, how you show me that? Look at 1 John 4, 8. 1 John 4, 8. He said, he who does not love does not know God, for God is love. God himself is love. And guess what? We are his children. So like father, like son. If God is love, who should we be? Love. And guess what Romans 5, 5 says? It says, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. So God is saying, this love that I am, I have imparted to you. When you accepted Christ, that love is in you. It's been transmitted to you. So what do we need to do? We need to tap into it. We don't want it to be a potential energy. We want it to turn into kinetic, where it is being practiced, where you are showing it. Because love is like a muscle. It's like you go to the gym to lift weight. You got to talk about love. You got to practice it. You got to do it. And that's the way it grows. It does not just take you over and start doing things. You have to yield into it. So God is love. Another thing as we define love is this. Love is the confirmatory evidence that we are Christians. Nothing else defines a Christian than love. And the opposite is true. Our lack of love is a proof that we are not Christian. The biggest indictment against the church from the world perspective is when Christians fight each other and are not operating in the God kind of love. Look at what the Lord Jesus Christ says in John 13, 35. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. It's the confirmatory evidence. When we go to the court of law, we should be saying, Ah, man, Brother Dan, I tell you what, he's always good. He's love. This is what he did. This is what he does. This is how he talks. This is it. This is him. Look at 1 John 3, verse 14. We know that we have passed over out of death into life by the fact that we love the brethren, our fellow Christians. He who does not love abides in spiritual death, remain is held and, up and kept continually. What do we mean by spiritual death? Spiritual death is separation from God. Spiritual death that you are separated from God. That is what happened to Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden when they ate the apple. They were separated from God. When you don't walk in love, you are cutting off the life support. It's like you are cutting off the power of the light coming into your house and you're operating in darkness. So tonight, I want you to begin to look. Will love be a description or an adjective that my wife, my neighbor, will use in describing me? Think about that. If we take the top five people in your life right now and we tell them, list, we just want one word, list all the adjectives you use that people will say about you. Will love show up? Because if it does not, 
We have to make correction. We need to begin tonight. So if the God kind of love is the most potent attribute of God, to the extent that God himself is love, and this love is the confirmatory evidence that we are Christians, then it behooves us, I think, that we spend some time and find out exactly what are the characteristics of this God kind of love. Because everybody has their own definition of what love is. But let's find out what did God's definition of love? If God is love, let's go to Abba Father and say, Daddy, you are love. Give us the characteristics of this love we are talking about. So let's read that. And God is so kind. He lays it out in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 to 8. We are going to read it. Then we're going to pick just parts of it to talk about. Because if you were to study this, you could study this whole thing for a whole year. And you won't be done with it. It's just that rich and robust. But let's look at what, how God describes love. And you might also look at this as, this is how love acts. So if you're saying, Aji, tell me, what does love look like? What does she look like on a Monday morning? What should it look like in real life? What should it look like at my place of work? What should it look like in my house with my children? What should it look like at my place of work? What should it look like in the community when I'm doing business with clients? What does that look like? That's what we're about to delve in. By the way, the title of this message tonight is Love, the Pathway to Victory. Love, the Pathway to Victory. Now, I'm telling you something, brothers. If you practice what I'm sharing with you tonight, you will become victorious in every area of life. I, God guarantees it. I, who am I to guarantee anything? God guarantees it. Love is the pathway to victory. That thing you've been struggling and trying to get, walk in love and see the mountain dissipate. Walk in love and see you gain the favor you need. Walk in love and see the healing comes. Walk in love and see the family reunite. Walk in love and see the money come. Walk in love and see you overcome the problems you've been trying to spend. You've been spending thousands of dollars on experts trying to solve. Walking by love and in love will take you to victory. And that is a fact. And God guarantees that. So let's read it. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 to 8, Amplified Classic. Love endures long and is patient and kind. Love never is envious, nor does it boil over with jealousy. It is not boastful or vainglorious, does not display itself utterly. It is not conceited. It is not arrogant. It is not inflated with pride. Love is not rude, unmannerly, and does not act unbecomingly. Love, God's love in us, does not insist on its own right or its own way, for it is not self-seeking. It is not touchy or fretful or resentful. It takes no account of the evil done to it. It pays no attention to a suffered wrong. It does not rejoice at injustice and unrighteousness, but rejoices when right and truth prevail. Love bears up under anything and everything that comes. Love is ever ready to believe the best of every person. Its hopes are faithless under all circumstances, and it endures everything without weakening. Love never fails. Now, I just want us to pause there. Love never fails. You know what that means? If you walk in love, you will never fail. That's what it means. Love never fails. You could say, God never fails. When you walk in love, you will never fail. But when you take matters into your own hand, they punch me, I punch them back. 
You want to do that? That's when you begin to fail. Love never fails. What does that mean? It never fades out. It never becomes obsolete. It never comes to an end. As for prophecy, the gift of interpreting the divine will and purpose, it will be fulfilled and pass away. As for tongues, they will be destroyed and seized. As for knowledge, it will pass away. It will lose its value and be superseded by truth. So I want us to break this down and begin to look at parts of this. Like I said, we can't do justice to it tonight. We'll be here forever. But let's just take a few of those verses and take a closer look. And I'm going to first of all look at verses 4 and 7. Love endures long and is patient and kind. And we're going to look at that vis-a-vis love bears up under anything and everything that comes. So what does that mean? It means when it says love endures long and is patient and kind, the God kind of love does not quit or throw in the towel. It is compassionately patient. Are you compassionately patient? Or are you like... Our American culture, unfortunately, we are not people that are patient. All you have to do is go through McDonald's and someone, their car could not start and they, they jam the, the line to the place where they place the order. And you see people's, I mean, horns are growing out. Horns are going. The God kind of love, when God says love endures long and is patient and kind, love bears up under anything and everything that comes. It means the God kind of love does not quit or throw in the towel. It is compassionately patient. You see, some people endure long but are not patient and kind while they are enduring. Even though they are enduring long but they are not patient and kind. They endure long just because they have to, but they let everybody know they are enduring. For example, a husband suffers and puts up with his wife, but he's not too kind while doing it. You hear people say, I can't just love her anymore. I'm over it. I have had it. I'm done. This marriage is over. I can't put up with it. I've put up with it for 10 years. She never did anything. I'm just done. Is that the God kind of love? No. God kind of love endures long and is patient and kind. It bears up under anything and everything that comes. Think about it. How much God is putting up with you and I? Just look at your life. Think about how much God has put up with you all over these years. Then why can't you practice it with your wife or with your fellow brother in Christ? You see, God said, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. While we were really, really crazy, that's when he died for us. Not when we were good, not when we got our act together. It's while we are out there clubbing it, smoking it, dancing it, you know, doing it, whatever you're doing, and smoking or whatever, whatever. That's when Christ died for you. Love endures long and is patient and kind. Love bears up under anything and everything that comes. Let that go home with you tonight. When you see your wife tonight, let her know that is on you, that you bear up under anything. Then he's going to think, should I call the paramedics or call the cop? What happened to you? You went to that pops and... <laughs> see, but that's what should be happening. People should see us and say, that he has been with Jesus Christ. He's a changed man. The, the women, and they are quick to get on the phone. I don't know what happened to my husband. All I knew was he came in tonight, and I'll tell you what, he's a whole different person because now he's walking in the God kind of love. Let's look at verse 5. Verse 5 of that same chapter, 1 Corinthians 13. It says, love, God's love in us, does not insist on its own rights or its own way. It is not self-seeking. See, we are looking at how love acts. Love, God's love in us, does not insist 
on its own right or its own way, and it's not self-seeking. It's not trying to draw attention to himself. And this is countercultural because we as Americans, we love our rights. We love our 10 bill of rights. And we tell everyone, I'm going to get my right. That is my right. Who are you to deny me my right? I am an American. Do you know who I am? I demand this. I demand that because it's my right. But look at what God says in Romans 5.5. 5. Romans 5.5 5 says, Does, do not merely look out for your own personal interest. Let me put it another way. Do not merely look out for your own personal rights. That's what that's saying. Do not merely look out for your own personal interest. Do not personally look out for your own personal right, but also for the rights and interests of others. That is the God kind of love. So it's not what I can get from this deal because I'm entitled to it. I don't care about all these people behind me, but just give me what I want because I'm entitled to it. How dare you deny me my right? I'm an American. And the whole world is looking at us and saying, you know what? This is crazy. This is crazy. Did Jesus demand his right when he was about to be crucified? When he was tied up, ripped, by the way, he was, he was beaten when he was naked. Whose sins was he being lashed for with the cattle of nine tails that rips his back? He could have said, guys, I didn't do this. You should not be beating me for this. I didn't commit any crime. But you know what? He was thinking about Dave. He was thinking about world. He was thinking about my brother here. He was saying, I want to be with Paul. I'm going to do it for Paul because Paul is my son. I'm going to do it for Dave. And guess what? He, he took it like a man. Pow! Ah! Skin shredding, bones exposing, skull being exposed, took punches from Pilate and all his soldiers, crowned him with thorns, that jagged thorns that went into his head. Then on top of that, on that raw back that was now shredded to pieces, he had to carry a big cross for about a mile up a hill. And he didn't demand his right. What about if he did? You and I would be bound for hell. We'll be stinking rotten in hell. And here we want to get something that's worth a dime. I demand my right. You give me my warranty. Give me my guarantee. We have to let this love define us. Because that's truly what pleases God. And when you do that, you know what? You will fall sick. The sickness goes away. Cancer, diabetes, high blood pressure, they all go away. You know why all those things come? Because you're not walking in love. You open the door for the enemy to come. When you walk in love, you're walking in God. Your marriage gets better, your health gets better, high blood pressure goes away, cancer flies away. There is more joy in your life, depression flies away. You'll be like, oh my God, I'm not feeling that pain again. Because you're not walking in love. Try it. Give it a try. We are going to continue to look at verse 5 of that chapter. 1 Corinthians 13 verse 5. Love, God's love in us, it is not touchy. I just want you to pay attention to this word. Because we are talking about the God kind of love. Are you a touchy person? It is not touchy. It is not fretful. It is not resentful. It takes no account of the evil done to it. It pays no attention to a suffered wrong. And just for fun, we're going to run a, we're going to run a divine love thermometer tonight. A divine love thermometer to check if you are working in love. Do you easily explode when someone crosses you on the highway? Do you wave at them or you give them the, the one finger greeting? When they cross you on 79 when you're not expecting it, just go like, and you aren't expecting it. Do you get touchy? Do you get fretful? <coughs> Do you chew the pizza delivery man when he doesn't arrive on your home and deliver your pizza on time? Maybe you call pizza out and say, we'll be there within 30 minutes, but he didn't show up in an hour. 
and your pizza, is, your pizza is on the virtue of getting cold, do you chew him out when he shows up on your door? Are you annoyed or through a temper tantrum when your flights get delayed, when you get to the airport? Do you always keep a ledger of people that have done you wrong? He's offended me. He's no longer my friend. I'm not talking to him. You know what? He's coming. Let me cross the road. I don't want to even see his face. Do you keep a ledger of people that have done you wrong? If you've answered yes to any of this question, you are not walking in the God kind of love. And correction has to be made. Highly important. It is disrupting your relationship with your Heavenly Father, and it's disrupting your Christian work, and it's not showing a good, a good uh, display of Christianity because your neighbors are always watching you. And I want us to hone in on this because this is big. It pays no attention to a suffered wrong. Let me put that in mother vernacular to you. The God kind of love forgives quickly. Do you have a grudge? When someone does you wrong, do you stew over it? When your wife does something, do you give her a silent treatment and both of you are walking by each other in the house? And everybody is frowning. And the little kids are running around. Mommy and daddy are not talking to each other. Daddy went and slept in the basement today. Mommy slept in the bedroom. Or daddy slept. Do you give the silent treatment? Are you quick to forgive? Are you quick to hold grudges? Look at Ephesians 4, 31 to 32. Ephesians 4, 31 to 32. It further describes to us the God kind of love. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander as well as all types of evil behaviors. You see, God calls that evil behavior. If you always get bitter, he said, get rid of it. Do you get into rage? Get rid of it. Are you tempted to be angry every time? Get rid of it. Are you the one that uses harsh words? When someone does something to you, you just, you give it to them. I'm going to tell you like it is right now. And you just let it, mm, you, you just take that dagger, you stick it in, and you're like, you feel that? That's what I felt. <clears throat> let, me, let me just jab you some more. Slander. Something happens, you're telling it behind someone's back, laughing at them, making jests of them, cutting them down. That's not God kind of love. God said, get rid of it. Be kind to each other. Tender-hearted. Tender-hearted. Forgiving one another just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Look at what Mark eleven twenty five says. Mark eleven twenty five. These are our Lord speaking. I pay attention to this. These are red letters. But when you are praying, now he's talking about religious exercise. We all love to do. Oh, pray for me, brother. Or we go to the church. We need prayer. Or in your bedroom, you need prayer. Look at what the Lord says. The person that's going to answer your prayer is talking to you. How he feels. What did he say? Mark eleven twenty five. But when you are praying, first number one. Forgive anyone you are holding a grudge against. Now we know the reason why a lot of prayers go unanswered. We like to keep our pride. You know what? He did me wrong. But then we go to the Lord. Hey, Lord, <laughs> I need your help. I need this. I need that. You can't forgive your brother you see, but you are talking to God you do not see. God said that won't fly. He said when you are praying, and you remember, you know what? I have a grudge against Larry across the street. You better say, Lord, you know what? It's 10, 30, 11, 11 p.m. at night. And Larry looked through the door. Oh, it's him again. You better say, you know what? I know something happened a few hours ago. I'm sorry. It's my fault. Can we go out for a cup of coffee tomorrow? Can we just talk? I'm sorry I hurt your feeling. Don't worry about who is right or wrong. You see, God will fight for you. Will fight the battles for you. 
But you be proactive in reconnecting back with Larry across the street. Apologize. I'm sorry. Or if it's your wife, hey, baby, you know what? I don't know what happened to me when I got home from work today. When you asked me that question, and I went like, Ugh. I was just hungry. I needed to eat. Sorry I answered you that way. Be quick to pacify and recover relationships. Be an expert in that. Because obviously, yeah, God is saying, first forgive anyone you are holding a grudge against, so that what? Your Father in heaven will forgive your sins. Now, let's flip that around. If you do not forgive the person you are holding a grudge against, your Father in heaven will not forgive your sins too. He will not. So you bound yourself because you are mean to your neighbor and your prayer go unanswered. And it goes further. God even goes further and talks to we men. Look at 1 Peter 3, 7 about unforgiveness. Because unforgiveness hinders your prayers and it hinders your life. It hinders you walking in your full destiny and really enjoying God and what he wants to do in your life. Look at 1 Peter 3, 7. In the same way, you husbands. How many husbands are here tonight? Raise your hand. Okay, now he's talking to you guys. You husbands must give honor to your wives. Treat your wife with understanding as you live together. She may be weaker than you are, but she's your equal partner in God's gift of new life. Treat her as you should, so your prayers will not be hindered. If you are not getting answers to prayer, it might be the person you're living with. Go sit her down. Hey, baby, where are we getting it wrong? Where am I hurting you? I really need your help to help me. And you're going to start some things. Some things are going to happen in your life just by that one correction. Love pays no attention to a suffered wrong. Love forgives. And this is going to be the last one before we wrap up tonight. And we'll, we'll pick it up next, next time we meet. Love, and this is verse 7, God's love in us is ever ready to believe the best of every person. Love, the God kind of love, is ever ready to believe the best of every person. Have you ever gone to church and maybe you're on your way out and a person runs up to you and say, you know what, Brother Dave, have you heard about this brother, so, 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 and so? And they start to tell you some horrible things, something bad about that brother that is not there at that moment. They start telling you, do you know what I heard about him? Oh my God, he and his wife are having problems. And they da 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 And they da da You know, when that person is finished, you know what you should say? If you want to walk in God kind of love, I refuse to believe anything bad about that brother. I believe the best of him, and I'm going to lift him up to prayer tonight. Hey, God bless you, brother. Good to see you. I got to go. Boom. Never add to it. Never say, oh, yeah, you know what? The last time they were at church, I kind of noticed he sat at the front and she was at the back. Don't stoke it. Don't stoke the fire of unforgiveness because this happens every Sunday at church. Believe the best of every person. The Lord says, vengeance is mine and I will revenge. Leave the vengeance to God. Don't dissect and cut up a fellow brother in Christ, no matter what he did. Because as long as you take account of the evil done to you, you are not walking in love and you will not be able to believe the best of every person. If you are taking account and keeping a ledger, you cannot, if you don't forgive, you cannot think best of anybody. That's why it's very important that we forgive. So brothers, we're going to hang it up here tonight. Invite some people in two weeks' time because next time we're going to talk about the benefits of walking in love and you're going to be surprised. What are the benefits of walking in love? Invite your neighbor. They will not get this message like here because we are delving into it. We are not constrained by time or whatever, whatever that this church is concerned about. 
Uh, people need to hear this. Our community, our cultures, our family, right now in this present time, need to be changed. America needs to be inflamed with love. There's, I've lived in this country, this is my 40th year, 4-0, 40 years. I've never seen a toxic culture in America than the one we are living right now. Everybody is divided. Everybody is hurt. Everybody is complaining. Everybody is fighting. Everybody is mean. And we have to be the advocates of love. We have to be like our Father God, and we have to be the carriers of love. We don't join the party of the fight. We don't say, yeah, 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 those Republicans, those Democrats, those woke people, yeah, 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 I'm on this side, you're on that side. We don't like you, stay away from us. We have to be the uniters. We have to be the God representatives, the ambassadors of love. So tonight, brother, I will ask you to stand up. We're going to make our declaration, and we're going to call it done for tonight. And our declaration should be clear and obvious to you. We're going to declare 1 Corinthians chapter 13. We're going to personalize it. So you have it in your hand note. So I'm just going to pull that particular scripture. In fact, I will use it in the one that Chris printed. And we're just going to personalize it. And I will urge you, put this on your fridge. That 1 Corinthians 13. Personalize it like we're going to do tonight. It will be something good to say in the morning and last thing before you go to bed. Because we want to change our medulla oblongata. We want to change the software that is driving us. We want to become a better Christians. We want this year to be defined by love. We want our wife and our homes to change, our community to change, our cultures to change, our countries to change. Because we are working in love from the White House to the ghetto. I said, that's what's going to change this country, I'm telling you. And we have to be advocates of it, disciples of it. This is something that I need to be reminded of daily, that I can just be loving others more and more. Not focusing on their shortcomings, not focusing on what they could do for me, but instead approaching them the way Christ would, with open arms and unconditional love, regardless of who they are, what they've done to me, or what they believe in. That's all we have for you in this episode, but we encourage you to check out some of our other episodes here on the Pops Podcast. We'll be back again in two weeks, and until then, God bless.